0: Hear ye hear ye word nerds. Be forewarned that this podcast contains body language of the modern and early modern varieties. So plan your listening accordingly. Or don't. That's a choice that you can make. But don't say we didn't warn you. Uh weird question. Maybe mm, how did Thomas Middleton die? <laughs> how how did? <laughs> like we have we he have his place living. And- I know, but like we we have his you know some of his work and stuff but we don't have anything in his bio about how his life ended
1: and i'm curious Mm. now he died in 1627 okay Um, that helps but i don't i don't believe there were any special circumstances surrounding his death although if you'll hang the fuck on
0: i hang on i'm wikipedia him oh i'm
1: i'm oh (laughs) dnb him
0: aha okay I win I found it Middleton died at his home at Newington Butts
1: The Hurley Burley Shakespeare Show. We are your hosts, Jess Hamlet. And Aubrey Whitlock. And together we are Hwemlet. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy the show and come back for more. This week we are finally getting around to Thomas Middleton's The Witch. And Yay. we are thrilled to welcome our guest expert, my good friend, Courtney Parker. Hey, Courtney. Hi. Yay. We're so glad you're feeling better and you're here with us. Yeah. Oh, yes. I am very happy. I'm also very happy I'm feeling better, <laughs> and I'm really, really excited to be here. This Yay. is wonderful. Yeah. This is also the first time we've had a guest that's, like, in the same location. As at least one of us. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, we that's are true. live together yes. here at your desk. I'm touching Courtney yeah. right now. It's two
0: to one, Alabama v. Virginia. <laughs> well. Is what it is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. introduce yourself, dear yeah. friend Courtney. Oh, yeah.
2: So, um... Hi, I'm Courtney, and I am also a PhD student in the same program as Jess. So I am working on my doctorate in Renaissance literature at UA. Um, I've got so I've got a background in theater, which is partly why I do what I do. Uh, I've got a bachelor's in theater, another bachelor's in English. I got my masters in English and women's and gender and sexuality studies, and. Right now, I'm working on occult studies, is what I do. I do weird things. I like the weird stuff. Uh, Witches, dreams, dream vision, magic, alchemy, ghosts, you know, all of the weird, really weird, uh, strange and intangible things that pop up on stage and in the literature. Um, And on a less witchy note, I'm also really into John Milton, uh, especially Paradise Lost, um, and I also do stuff with gender and sexuality uh in both of those fields so a little bit of everything isn't she cool yeah (laughs)
0: how have we not introduced you to patrick yet who's like obsessed with early modern occult theater stuff yeah
1: i know like he almost wrote
0: his thesis on that i remember Uh, he was i don't know this is a tracking magic and well
1: it's because he lives in texas (laughs) yeah
0: it's tough this is a big country
1: yeah that's true yeah that's true (laughs) Oh man.
0: But yeah, someday we're going to have yeah. to get you guys together so you can I geek mean, if out we're about it.
1: ever all at the same conference. Yeah. Yeah, so. maybe one day. Yeah. Someday.
0: Yeah. Hope someday, so. somehow. <laughs> Great. Um, so most weeks we discuss a different play by that nice William Jefferson Shakespeare at what we like to call the 101 level. But sometimes, like this week, we pick one of, I'm not calling him Billy. We pick <laughs> one of. It's in the script, Aubrey. <laughs> I just I hate the nickname Billy. Don't ask me why it's just a thing. I don't like it. Rude. Uh, I just sorry Billy's of the world. I don't like it. Um, we pick one of Will's colleagues and this week it's Thomas Middleton.
1: Yeah, so, but you're still going to get all the introductory stuff that you would get in a regular 101 episode, you know, everything that you need to know to have a general understanding of the play and its major themes and some cool stuff that you will get nowhere else, like my opinion and Aubrey's opinion and this week's Courtney's opinion. Yes. Uh, all right. But before we do any of that, we need to
0: word nerd it out. So yeah. we're going to start with our rhetorical device of the week.
1: Because we're word nerds, each week we draw a random device from our handy dandy rhetorical device flashcards.
0: For actors and scholars, knowing the rhetorical devices helps us recognize patterns in Shakespeare's language so that we can gain a better understanding of what's being said and how it's being said. Basically, it helps us understand characters through their speech tactics. And we have exactly six cards left.
1: Holy cow. I know, just six. I think that's about how many episodes we have left in the season also, that's which is That's
0: true. Hopefully. Wild.
1: Okay, so Courtney, pick a color.
0: We've got, I'm going to try to fan it out here. We've got blue, purple, orange, or red. Hmm, purple. Purple. Okay, great. There are two purples. So why don't you just tell me (laughs)
1: left or right? I mean, we can see what it says. Yeah, I'm
0: moving it now.
1: Okay. (laughs)
0: Um, Excuse me, left. Oh, shit. Is that your camera left or? Oh, damn! Just pick one. Okay. Okay. All right. Fine. Okay. Whatever left you like best. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I really backed myself in there. Okay, uh, this week it is hyperbaton. Mm, I love
1: hyperbaton. Yay! I have hyperbaton. No
0: idea what that
1: is? Great. Wait, wait, wait. It's arrangement by reversal of word order.
0: <laughs> yes, it's Yoda speak. Basically, this is the this is the Yoda speak. Hyperbaton. H y p e r b a t o n. Looks like hyperbaton. It's hyperbaton. Uh, it is yeah the rearrangement or disorder of usual sentence structure. For instance, Adriana from the Comedy of Errors, why should their liberty, then ours, be more? Instead of, why should their liberty be more than ours, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, anytime you hear Yoda speak, anytime you hear weird syntactical rearrangement, that's Shakespeare using hyperbaton. Sometimes it's for scansion, or to make a rhyme work. Other times it's... I don't know because somebody speaks Latin and they <laughs> hang on to old Latin construction. No, that's a true thing. Like, I'm not arguing with you. Yeah, I've done the rhetoric workshop so many times now. I just have all my reasons for why hyperbaton happens. Uh, yeah, so you'll you'll hear actually a lot of second language learners in Shakespeare's plays using hyperbaton because they mess up um, syntax.
1: Hmm.
0: Fun fact. Well, that was that. That was fun. Cool. So now. Hyperbaton.
1: It's time to meet the contemporary.
0: Yes. Thomas Middleton, a.k.a. T. Mids, this is your life. Born in 1580, son of William Middleton, a gentleman bricklayer. His dad died when he was about six, and when his mother remarried, her new husband sued for control of William's estate, which would have disinherited Thomas Middleton. The lawsuit went on for 20 years. Yeah, isn't that wild? I learned that today. That is, when that's I crazy. He's a child of a sort of a broken home. Yeah, a little bit, sort of. And yeah. like
1: legal problems. That
0: sucks. Poor kid. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Gary Taylor, who wrote his uh, biography in the Oxford Dictionary of National Biography, where I got all this information from, uh, was like clearly. The legal intervention in his formative years represents why so many of his plays deal with legal stuff in a very knowing manner. And Mm. I was like, okay, Gary Taylor. I mean, maybe. Yeah, it's credible. It's credible. Anyway, so good old T. Mids was resident playwright for the Admiral's Men by about 1602. And the Admiral's Men were the biggest rivals to Shakespeare's company Mm -hmm. in That time. T. Mids is a big time collaborator. He's worked with Decker and Chettle and Monday and Shakespeare and Drayton and Webster and probably every other early modern dramatist you've ever heard of, except for the professional asshole Ben Johnson, because in print, uh, Johnson called Middleton, quote, a base fellow in 1619 and said that his, quote, poor English play, a game at chess, was being used as toilet paper in 1626 Ooh. professional asshole i stand by it Ooh, <laughs> shit ben johnson
2: coming Ooh. in hot wow well team Ed's did write in all genres uh, but his revenge tragedies are the best also his city comedies are the best and pretty much everything he ever wrote is the best except for game of chess game at chess i don't even know the prepositions for that uh, but it is super political and satirical and complicated and boring and the witch is way better.
1: So much better. So much better. Have you read mm. Game at Chess? I have not. I've heard Don't. it's really bad. It's so <laughs> so bad. I this mean,
0: guy, Ben Johnson, told me it was better used as toilet <laughs> paper. So yeah. that's how I've used my copy of A Game
1: at Chess. It's worth talking about because the the history behind the play is super interesting. But the play itself, bull. Yeah, I don't often find
2: myself agreeing with Ben Johnson, but for this one. Yeah maybe Troilet not toilet Toilet paper mm.
1: uh anyway so <laughs> we've already talked about the changeling on this podcast which middleton wrote with william rowley uh mm-hmm. and also timon of athens which he helped shakespeare with and also macbeth and today we're hitting the witch uh but some of his other super 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 great plays that are definitely coming up in season three yeah uh, stop me just stop me you won't stop me we're gonna do it. No, i'm all. gonna stop you uh, i like it we've got We've got Women Beware Women, which is a great revenge tragedy. Chase Maiden's Cheapside, which is a super awesome city comedy. And the revenge tragedy to end all revenge tragedies, The Revengers Tragedy. Mm. Aptly named. I love it so much. And I'm teaching it next week and I can't wait. I'm so excited.
0: So excited for you. Yeah. He was buried on the 4th of July in a churchyard at Newington Butts. I can't with you. I can't. Oh, sorry, English names, man. Like, get it together, England. These names are terrible. Uh, let's see. The old church of Saint Mary's was demolished in eighteen seventy six to to widen a road. So he's literally underneath Kennington Park Road somewhere. That sucks. It says the old churchyard where Middleton was buried. Oh, never mind. Survives as a public park. So he's near that road in a park. In Elephant and Castle, which I think is an English neighborhood or something. So that's how he ended up. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. Glad I asked. (laughs) You're welcome, world. Good job, Aubrey. Thanks. I just, I just needed to know. I needed, okay. I'm going to shut up. Thomas Middleton. That was your life. So, uh, before we start any summary of any play, we begin with a five-word unhelpful title. This week, mine is, JK, no one's actually dead.
1: Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, Mine is, Dead Dad Skull Cup Insult. And I had two that I couldn't choose between.
2: Dude, but that's okay. Yeah. So, one is, Al McKildes is a dumbass drunk. Mm. And the other, which I think is a little bit better, OG Dead Baby Jokes.
1: Oh boy.
0: Yeah. Did Middleton originate the dead baby joke? That's yeah. exciting and terrible. <laughs>
1: uh so let's let's get going on the dramatis personae. Yes. But only the real important ones. Mm-hmm. Um let's,
0: which so... is a lot of people in this list. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot well, of people. Yeah.
1: Well,
2: there's a lot of plots. Yeah. Um so first up is Sebastian, who is theoretically the hero of this play but just pretty much wrote him out of the summary because he doesn't actually do a whole lot he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't you're right you made the right decision
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was like going through trying to edit the summary and i was like fucking sebastian doesn't do shit no he just hangs around and then all of a sudden at the end he's like hey here i am i'm in disguise anyway sounds like my cat uh, sebastian Yeah. It, yeah, Just mm-hmm. like Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Great. Right. Okay, so then there is Isabella, who is the Lord Governor's niece.
0: Then we have Antonio, who's married to Isabella. And then there's Francisca, who is Antonio's sister. We also have Florida, the whore. And Gasparo, Antonio's friend. And the Duke. And the Duchess. And the Lord Governor.
2: And Amaretta, a court lady.
0: El McHildes is a court bro. Ugh. And... Uh, okay, you gotta help me with the. How do I pronounce this here? Aberz- Aberzanes? Aberzanes? Uh, I think it's Aberzanes.
2: Okay. How I, that's how I've been. How does it, it
1: scan? But also, does anyone say his name? That's the problem. Yeah. No clue. Francisca might. Um, mm. I assume so. But she also, talks about it a, a lot. What's a louche? A louche? Yeah. It's kind of like a douche, but way more womanizing. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Ooh, like lech and douche together. Kind of, is that what yeah. you're? Is that a portmanteau of those?
1: It's not. It's a. It's an oh. actual word. But now I'm oh. gonna Google it to make sure I'm using. I've it never
0: right heard now. that word ever.
1: Is that like some new Loosh. hip slang? Disreputable or sordid in a rakish or appealing way, which oh. is totally what he fucking is. Okay. A,
0: a court louche.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Learning new words all the time.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So Antonio says it. It's a shared line. So, how mm. Aberzanes and my mother's letter. So, it must be Aberzanes. Huh. I like him better when he's zany. Right? Mm. I wonder if it's different anywhere. Run, knock up, ab, run, knock up, Aberzany speedily. So it's both. <laughs> okay. Awesome. How yeah. do we want to know, say it? Because this is a shared line too. Sir, run, knock up, Aberzane speedily. Yeah. So I think Aberzany's. Aberzany's. That is less fun. But that is less yeah. fun.
2: All right. Whatever,
0: teamids. Okay. Then we have Aberzany's, a court louche. And we've also got Hecate, Queen of the Witches. And we have the witches, who are witches. Yay. Yay. So many
2: characters. Witches.
0: Witches. Well, I would hope so, since it's, you know, they're the titular witches. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Or the witch.
0: Yeah. So wait, is the titular witch, is it Hecate? Like the witch?
1: Girl, you know we're going to talk about that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Sorry, I'm
0: getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. I only skimmed the summary. I didn't
1: realize we were going there. Great. I mean, I assume we will. Yeah. Won't we? Yeah, yeah. we will. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, so, hey, Courtney Ann Parker, why is this play so goddamn popular? Mm. Well, it's not, but
2: it should be because for reasons I'm going to tell you. So, uh, One of the reasons that it's probably not all that popular or well-known really at all right now outside of like academic circles, as far as I'm aware, is probably because it was suppressed right after it was written. Uh, because of the whole Overbury affair and the fact that it was probably written around 1615-16, which is right when that murder trial was happening. And I'm going to talk about the Overbury affair later. Uh, It's a big political scandal, and it was a problem. This play, it was suppressed because of all of this political scandal, and it was also only ever in manuscript until it was printed in 1778. Uh, There's also speculation that it's unpopular today because the content is so topical, Uh, and modern readers are way removed from 17th century court scandal. But I don't buy it because this play is a wild ride, and you don't have to know anything about the Francis Carr and Overbury kerfuffle in order to be entertained by all of the batshit capers in this play. I mean, the Duchess has to drink a toast out of her dead dad's head that her husband just carries around with him sometimes. Uh, People are dead, and then they're, surprised not dead. So much convoluted poisoning plots and bed tricks and witches, and how can you not be into the witches? The play's got three main plots, and it's kind of like reading and watching a circus. Uh, And I just think that's a fantastic opportunity for actors and directors to shape those narratives in really interesting ways. Like, there's all kinds of stories in this play just waiting to be shown. And staging witches is a lot of fun, so like, why would you not do that? Um, And these are obviously supposed to be satirical silly witches. So I think that it just it's dying to be staged and to my knowledge really hasn't been. It has not gotten that kind of attention and it just needs it so much. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's, yeah.
0: those are my feelings.
1: <laughs> this Great. This play is so good y'all. So good.
0: Okay, well now the challenge has been issued. The gauntlet is thrown. Let's see who yeah. does it. Right? Alright. <laughs>
1: It's summary time. We will now summarize the witch for you in a segment that this week we're calling Dead Dad Skull Cup Summary. Sorry. Yay. Wait, does that but mean we have the- to drink the summary no, out of a skull cup? Yes. Obviously. Excellent. Mm. <laughs> Woohoo. Uh, so. You have your timer? I got my timer. Y'all ready? Yeah. Just tell me I'm right ready. To Get the lead out. I mean, I'll start when you start. So. Okay, cool. Ready, set, Go.
2: Act 1. Sebastian was supposed to marry Isabella, but he went to war and then her uncle, the Lord Governor, married her to Antonio instead. Drunk Elma Kildes tries to make a move on Amaretta, but she shuts him down, so he decides to go visit the witches and get himself a love charm. The Duke produces a cup made from a human damn skull to drink health to Isabella and passes it around. It's made from the skull of the Duchess's father. What? Secretly pregnant Francisca worries that this cup is going to make her give birth prematurely. The Duchess plans to kill the Duke for his headfather cup insult. Uh, the witches gather for some witchy cooking, which is real reminiscent of the cooking scene in Macbeth. Uh, Sebastian and Alma Kildes turn up to get help from the witches, and Hecate has the hots for Alma Kildes. She agrees to help him, conjures up a cat and a fiddle because witches, and they go in to dinner.
0: Act two, Francisca is unmarried and she thinks she's very close to giving birth. Skull or no skull cup. Isabella comes in and chats about how she didn't have sex last night and how Francisca needs to get herself married so that she and Isabella can share information about sex and motherhood. Is she not seeing the pregnant belly? P.S. Francisca is 16. Aberzane, who is Francisca's baby daddy, counterfeits a letter from Antonio's mom saying to send Francisca to her in order to get her away from the court for the birth. Francisca is delivered of a boy and Aberzane sends him off with an old woman as a foundling. Alma Kildes has his love charm and uses a hug as a pretense to slip it into Amaretta's bosom. That's one hell of a hug. And then he leaves. She protests his embrace, but after he's gone, reveals that she actually thinks he's quite the catch and doesn't want him out of her sight for long. The charm is at work. In conversation with the Duchess, the charm falls out of her dress and she immediately disavows him again. The Duchess makes plans to poison the Duke.
2: Act three. Bed trick alert. The Duchess blindfolds and sleeps with Alma Kildes, who seems to think she's Amaretta and complains that she's too knowledgeable in bed to be a virgin, and it's a good thing he tried her before he married her because he would have been made a fool otherwise. The Duchess then unblindfolds him and tells him she's shown him what he can have if he'll only murder the Duke. She promises to marry him after she's a widow, and he agrees to do it. Isabella finds a letter that reveals Francisca's secret pregnancy. Francisca plans to impeach Isabella's honesty and reputation to her brother so that if Isabella decides to tell Antonio about the baby, no one will believe her. Francisca tells Antonio that Isabella has been a
1: slut, and they devise a plan to disgrace her the witches, which about? In act 4, Alma Kildes has killed the duke and now is a little bit wary about his safety. The Duchess promises him rewards but secretly plans for him to die as well. She promises to marry the lord governor after she's properly mourned the duke. The lord governor seems thrilled at this but in an aside says she's betrayed herself. To be rid of Alma Kildes, the Duchess decides to go to the witches and everything's coming up, Duchess. Or is it? Sebastian, remember him? in disguise, sets up some kind of elaborate trick to get Isabella to think she's catching Antonio in bed with the whore Florida, but he has a change of heart halfway through, and also Antonio was never there to begin with because schemes. Francisca orchestrates a scenario by which Antonio is meant to think he finds Isabella in bed with Gasparo, but really it's Florida. Antonio kills Gasparo and Florida, and then beckons Francisca so he can kill her too for delivering the knowledge of Isabella's unfaithfulness. Francisca confesses everything in this moment to save herself, and Antonio dismisses her.
2: Act 5. Antonio forces Aberzanes and Francisca to pledge themselves to each other, then gives them poisoned wine and also drinks it himself. He reveals that he knew Sebastian was alive when he married Isabella, but swore to her Sebastian was dead, so to beguile her and wed her, and this is now his punishment for that. Surprise, not dead, Gasparo stumbles in to relate that Florida is dead, not Isabella, and Antonio wishes the poison would spare him until he finds out where Isabella is. Surprise, Antonio's servant didn't give him the poisoned wine. Surprise, not dead, Florida tells Antonio that Isabella is with disguised Sebastian, and Antonio tells the Lord Governor that Isabella's is false and storms off. The Duchess goes to Hecate to get death for Alma Kildes, and the witches do some charming. Antonio falls to his death off stage because, yeah, he just does that, it's whatever. Uh, the Lord Governor reveals he knows all about the Duchess's role in the Duke's murder and confronts her with the Duke's dead body. She begs for death. At the moment, the Lord Governor is going to execute her. The dead Duke jumps up. Turns out Alma Kildes didn't poison, helped him fake his death instead. The Duke apologizes for the dead dad head cup insult, promises to properly inter it, and everyone is forgiven and happy. What the
0: fuck? I love this play. <laughs> what the it's fuck so wild. indeed? It's My so head is wild. spinning with yeah. all of these plots and the bed tricks and the it's like a yeah. revolving door of bed tricks and poisoning. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's um, fun.
1: So just for our listeners, um, <laughs> if any of this sounds familiar to you, it might be because we did an entire half hour midsummer mini sode on yes. it mm. last summer? Last Two summer. Two summers ago? Okay. Last summer. Yeah, last summer. Yeah, last summer. Uh yep. because I had read it for my comps and I was like, the fuck is this play? <laughs> uh and we had, and I so I did a half hour talk through the plot. So there's more to the plot than we mm-hmm. just did in five yes. minutes here. But also, yowza, y'all. Yeah,
0: that Middleton <sighs> man, he he knows how to twist some plots up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So much happening there. Wow. So uh, now Ooh. our special awesome guest is going to mm. tell us some shit about the play, and I yeah. can't wait. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, go for it. All
1: right. So, well, the first thing to know about
2: uh, with this play is the Overbury murder, like I'd mentioned before. So this play is a topical satire that portrays the events of this scandal. So this scandal, Francis Howard and Robert Devereux, who is the Earl of Essex, get married, but they're too young to consummate it. Is this the same Earl of Essex from the Essex Rebellion? Oh, please say it is. No, I don't think so. Damn. This is maybe um, the first Earl or the third Earl? Yeah, I'm not sure which number Earl mm. he is.
0: So but is this, this is, like an uh, old, ripped from the headlines, type of story that Middleton wrote about mm-hmm. much later, kind of like Arden of Faversham? Or,
2: no, he I'm wrote this it. like right about the time it was all happening, all coming oh, okay. out. Okay. Okay. Uh, so there was the. Oh no wonder were, it was censored. Uh, arrested and in sixteen fifteen, okay. and then tried pretty quickly. And this play uh, comes out right about the same time. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah.
1: So not the same Earl of Essex.
2: Yeah. Um, Okay, so Francis Howard and uh, Robert Devereux get married, and that's the 1600s uh, for a while, but they're too young to consummate it. So Essex goes off to travel around Europe, as you do, and when he returns, he finds that his wife is not really into him anymore. She has fallen in love in the meantime with Robert Carr, who is the Earl of Somerset and favorite of the king. Uh, There's also some rumors that she had an affair with Prince Henry, but we don't know about that. But she was definitely uh, hitting it with Carr. So after a couple years, turns out that Essex and Francis have never consummated their marriage, even though he's been back in the country for a while. And she sues for divorce on grounds of non-consummation and says that he can do it with anyone else, but not with her, and claims to be bewitched because of that. She is then examined by a group of women and midwives and proclaimed to be a virgin. Uh, and I'm not sure if y'all mentioned this in your Changeling episode, but this is this is referenced
1: in the Changeling. Oh, um, no, I don't think we did. We yeah. may have done, but... I'm not sure. It's I don't remember.
2: Yeah, um... But the whole virginity test that yeah. Beatrice
1: oh, that. does. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That test.
0: That's the test right. they did for her? No, no. They oh. no, they did like a physical exam. Oh, gotcha. Poking uh, in the. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Great.
2: Yeah. Uh, but it's the similar sort of idea that you can prove virginity, sure. which we yeah. all know virginity is a construct. It's not real. At this point in time, they were like, yeah, she looks like a virgin to us. Uh, and so the divorce was granted. Fun fact, though, she showed up for this examination veiled. So there was speculation that she had gotten someone else to be there in her place. Uh, and that's who passed the test and not actually her because she knew she couldn't pass it. Uh, so that's Ooh. a bit that's the bit with the changeling, right? That uh, yeah. Beatrice gets Diaphanta to take the test for her. Ooh, OK, so. Wow. So that's what happens with that. But anyway, they proclaim her a virgin and she gets the divorce. So, just a couple of months later, she and Robert Carr get married. Uh but just before the divorce goes through, Robert Carr's very good friend and probably sometime lover, Thomas Overbury dies.
0: Yes! What? Um, I love this. It's so yes. scandalous. What?
2: Okay. Um, Overbury had been opposed to Carr's marriage to Francis, uh, like strongly opposed. Mm. And a couple years later, it came out that Francis had conspired with an apothecary and others to poison Overbury. She and Carr were arrested in 1615, right around when Milton writes the witch, uh, and imprisoned in the tower. They were found guilty, sentenced to death, and ultimately pardoned and released in 1622. Uh, but according to the um, Oxford Dictionary of the National Biography, T-Meds was friends with Carr at Cambridge. Thomas Overberry. With overbury Oh, these are your notes. I see. Ooh, yeah. That's so, Oxford, not Cambridge.
1: Ooh. Yeah. At okay. Oxford. Yeah. So, Oh, oh I didn't wow. get that. I yeah, I, that this part. is a thing that I learned at 3.20 p.m. today. Indeed. <laughs>
2: Well, that I mean, even gets a little bit deeper there. Right. Wow. Right. So
0: Middleton may have heard all of this like uh-huh. secondhand mm-hmm. or firsthand mm-hmm. from Overbury from Thomas Overbury. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Gary wow. Taylor thinks they were okay.
1: they were bros. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. Whoa. So. Okay. That's wild. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that is kind of the historical basis for what's going on in this play. And that's why it was suppressed um, and probably why it's just not really done much today because powerful people wanted that swept under the rug. Mm. So that's the one big thing to know about it. And you can go through and like find all of the parallels because there are one million of them. And it's common to read. So a lot of people read Francisca, uh, the Duchess and Isabella in this play as representations of different episodes in Francis Carr's life. Uh, so the play was suppressed because it was like too on the nose about the scandal mm. when it was happening. It's also got a relationship with Macbeth, as we've hinted at a little bit before. Mm-hmm. Uh, these witch scenes are very similar. If you've read Macbeth, then you know. These are really, really similar witches. Except some witches are tragic, and these witches are comic. Uh, so, what happens with the witches in Macbeth is that Middleton revises Macbeth. Macbeth happens in 1606. Macbeth or Middleton revises it in like 1611-ish. He revises the witch scenes. Probably adds the songs "Come Away, Hecate" and "Black Spirits." Neither song appears in full in the Folio, but they are in the Witch. And scholars disagree about which play the songs were written for originally, but. Generally, it's accepted that the songs were added into Macbeth in a version that came between its composition and printing in 1623. And the portrayal of the witches in The Witch, where witches don't actually matter. Um, So if you heard the summary just now, then you will have been probably wondering, what's going on with these witches? Why is it titled The Witch when it's not seemingly about witches? Yeah, yeah. and that is, well, that is the million dollar question, right? So this is a very satirical representation of witchcraft and witches, which is probably a subtle dig at King James I, who was really, really concerned with demonology. Uh, in fact, James is the one who wrote demonology, uh, and he was really into witches and magic of all sorts, so that was a big court topic. Middleton takes a lot of his material for the depiction of witches in this play directly from Reginald Scott's very skeptical discovery of witchcraft. Uh, The witches are made to seem ridiculous. They have no real importance to the action of the play, which underscores the idea that witchcraft is silly and pointless and has no effect on anything, uh, which was basically Scott's whole thesis in that treatise, uh, that it's all smoke and mirrors, nothing... Is real and people who believe this are just absurd and idiotic. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the scholarly background on this play. And man, this play is such a puzzle. I love this play. <laughs> such a puzzle. And there's just have been not really any modern productions. So I've got the New Mermaids edition of this play, and Elizabeth Shaper wrote the intro to that and edited this edition, uh, and she says that there had been no 20th century productions of the witch at the time that she was writing this in 1994. And the only one that I found so far was the ASC's 2008 mm-hmm. uh, staging of it. That's what I saw on like some cursory internet searching. I haven't really yeah, uh, searched in depth, but I haven't come across anything else. And I think that is a crying shame. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen season. the production
0: photos mm-hmm. for it. It's pretty crazy. They oh. They went hog wild with it
1: i want Oof. to see production photos well, that's the way to do it are they
0: on the internet no i mean some Rude. might be actually some some mm-hmm. might be i mean i'm i'm thinking just from a production perspective it would be there are so many little plot twists and intrigues and mm-hmm. and it's, oh
1: shit there you found are some production photos right on yeah. god bless yeah. whoever has put all of this shit on the internet
0: yeah there's some good stuff um but it would be so hard to keep that straight for an audience like that, I think, would be a yeah. huge production challenge to oh, help make sure. that clear uh, somehow.
1: Oh, it's my good friend Rick. Hi, Rick.
0: Yep. <laughs> Baby faced Rick Blunt. Right in there.
1: <laughs> Ooh, as Al McKildees. Yeah, this must oh, be the hug. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That oh, That is such a weird
2: scene. Yeah. Every time I read it, I think there's got to be. That but How weird. are they doing that? Surreptitiously, there's no you can't slip something into the lady's boobs surreptitiously. That's without her noticing.
0: Because usually when you hug, you reach around the back of someone. So like, either she's such a small lady that you're whole arm can get all the way around her to the other side and like <laughs> slip it in her bodice you know the other way or like what are you doing Shout like it. palming her boobs like oh, it's hug so weird. Uh, it's the, how do you Which, even
2: like, stage that maybe because he seems like sort of a creep who might do that sure. but yeah,
0: but still um, weird so, like, so our good you, friend you use your mouth like, and, like <laughs> drop it just like drop it in there right before you hug her I mean i I think the
2: possibilities are endless. I'd like to see somebody try it. I really, really, really want to see this done. I need someone to do this play. Yeah, because I got to see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I've just got
2: oh, so man. many wild moments like that, like the bosom scene, and uh, I would love to see what people do with the witches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the dead baby because they definitely
0: have a dead baby. They just have <laughs> one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they do. Yep. Yeah, and like, oh my God, the bed tricks, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to, you know, I'm looking back and thinking like, what is the, what is the buck basket staging problem for this play? But it feels like there are a bunch should, of, most of all of play it. The, play. Yeah. the play, the play, the problem. play is a buck basket <laughs> staging issue. Yeah. Like, how even?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Yeah, especially yeah. that last scene, like the
1: oh last, God, the last act last and a half twenty lines. Uh-huh. <laughs> Surprise! No
0: one's actually dead. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. my five-word unhelpful title was actually a little too on the nose, but yes, yeah. it was.
2: <laughs> yeah. Every time yes. I read this play, I have to really dissect the whole bed trick thing at the end mm-hmm. because somehow it never really sticks in my mind, and I just keep having to reparse yeah. it out, and it's just so complicated. Yeah.
0: So the only guy who ever actually ends up dead is Antonio.
1: Yep. Yep. Who dies off he stage? Which is. Dies off
0: stage. He falls to his death.
1: Mm-hmm. He
0: okay. just falls in a
1: pit. In an in an oubliette. Is yeah. That how we're saying it? oubliette. oubliette. Yes. What's an oubliette? It's a hole that you throw people in to, to forget die. about them. Oh, that's the fantastic! Root of the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm
0: learning all kinds of vocabulary today. Wow. I learned what a louche is and what an oubliette is. Yeah. Well, so I educated. mean, yeah.
1: There are several degrees between yeah. all of us right That's now. True. <laughs> That's Very true. Very true. A lot. There's <laughs> so lousy many with that masters I can't even count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true.
2: Yeah. I just love that servant runs back on and be like, "Oh no, he fell in a pit. He's dead." It's so silly.
1: Epic yeah. walk-on. This whole play yeah. is so silly. Yeah. Um, should we play a game? Yeah. yeah let's, let's do play a game. it. Okay. <laughs> um, All right, Jess, tell us about this game. So I made up a game because <laughs> no one stopped me. <laughs> so that's this, fair. <laughs> this week, uh, we're going to play a game called Witch, Witch. <laughs> witch, Witch, uh, where we rank some witches from some plays. I. I've 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 got four. There are more witches out there. Mm-hmm. Um but I thought for for our listeners and for us it might help if we just keep it to all of the witches that we know. Sure. That we know intimately, which would be Hecate from this play and Hecate from Macbeth mm-hmm. and then Macbeth's witches and then the witches, witches. <laughs> So rank how I'm okay so like <laughs> on like, like a scale of 1 to 10 like yeah. how witchy they What's are What's the best witch? I don't understand. Well I mean so assuming that they're all middletons which which do we wish to be the witchiest witch? Which witch is which? Which witch is which? <laughs> I think there's a children's book called which Witch Witches Witch. I'm pretty sure I read it. I mean, to be frank, I didn't consider this game farther than the title because I just wanted to come up with as many W witchy words as I could okay. and put them together in a row. Um, okay. But, you know, I was like, there are some witches and like which?" Oh, okay. Let's do this. Which witch would you most like to play. Ooh. All right. I don't know. I don't know. Which, 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 which do you like? Mm. Which <laughs> which do you think is the best witch? Mm. Which
2: witch would you least like to encounter Ooh. on a
1: Foggy Moor? Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's a good one.
0: Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Uh, all right. So I'll start, I guess. I think it would be the most fun to play heck it in this play in the witch heck it the witch hey we never did clear up that question who's the who's the titular witch i mean
1: that might be for a 201 yeah level i mean oh you mean that takes like some digging it's not clear well
2: it's not clear it's not clear it's it's an interpretive you can pick a witch and let that be your witch
1: yeah
2: this is like i was saying earlier there's like the three women are sort of meant to be like francis carr and like she's mm. the witch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just like pick a female lead and sure. look, it's your witch. And then yeah. like kind of stage the play around that.
0: Ooh, yeah. Okay. So I think Heggett from this play mm-hmm. would be the most fun to play because she has like weird lust for mm. one of those one of those A name guys, Al McKilde. Alma Kildies. Yeah. Yeah. She's like she's she's, she's all witchy, but she gets lusty out of nowhere. Like, I kinda so dig that. Thirsty. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yep. Okay, your turn. Somebody.
1: Um, I, as, as both of, you know, have gone off the stage. (laughs) I, I have left that part of my life behind me, but I have said frequently that the only role I would ever go back in for would be one of the witches from Macbeth. Probably the first witch. They're good witches. Yeah. Yeah. They're good witches. Yeah. I would love to play a, a Macbeth witch. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is, oh, that's a tough question. I know, right? I'm, I'm torn between... The Macbeth witches and Hecate from this play. Because this Hecate is way better than Macbeth's Hecate. Mm
0: -hmm. Like,
2: Macbeth's Hecate is on stage for, like, a minute Mm -hmm. and just to complain at the other witches.
1: And mostly gets cut from performances. Yeah. yeah, She's she's not around. But Hecate in this play
2: is important uh, and also (laughs) just... uh, good time I think she's sexy she's so cool so yeah yeah, I I would be a little bit torn between those two but maybe if I mean if I have to choose probably Hecate from this play as well Mm. I agree Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah so what was the other
1: question about which which Uh, do we wish which which do you wish least to encounter on a foggy moor? oh Oh,
0: that's easy Macbeth's witches those bitches make things happen <laughs> or do they? Or do they? that's true. That's true. They're really good at insinuating.
2: True. Yeah. Yeah. I think they are definitely
0: the scariest witches. Yeah. I mean, this plays witches have a dead baby, but Macbeth's witches talk about. Don't they talk about dead yeah. babies? Mm-hmm.
2: They've also got a dead baby. Yeah. Uh, well, they have a dead baby finger. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. the they have pieces
2: of a, a dead babe. babe. That's uh, but right. this one this one they've got the whole baby and awesome. they've got it prepared so yeah. it's got like like mouth is stuffed with herbs and whatnot oh gross that's i right. know it's disgusting <laughs> okay
0: disgusting, maybe these but, witches yeah. maybe these witches shouldn't be <laughs> maybe i don't want to fuck around with these witches either
1: i mean i don't want to fuck around with any witches like if i have my druthers but also mm. witch witch <laughs> <laughs> i just want to say witch witch a lot witch Which witch 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 which, right. which, witch witch is which? <laughs> um,
0: which witch? Which? I'm thinking like there should be a Harry Potter crossover at some point because you know witches and wizards. But like, I can't form the question in my head, so I'll let it well,
2: go. Ooh, I do. I know. Uh, oh. which one of these witches might have gone to Hogwarts? Mm. Mm. And definitely. what house would they have
1: been in?
0: Oh, that's oh. good. Okay. Okay. So Great definitely, question. Question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this plays Hecate is the only one that has frankly, any kind of schooling. And I Mm -hmm. think
0: she's a Ravenclaw. No, see, I would have said a Slytherin. Not because Slytherins are evil, because I am a Slytherin, but because she's so thirsty and, like, ambitious and stuff. That's real.
2: Mm. Potentially. I don't know. I'm inclined to think Ravenclaw, though. Like, mad with
0: power, sort of. Mm. Uh,
2: She learned how to do all this shit, and now no one will stop her.
1: Hmm.
0: Are any of these mm-hmm. witches Hufflepuffs? I think is the question people really want to know.
1: Shakespeare's Hecate is a Hufflepuff. I was just having that thought.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can get behind but, that. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, okay. I am Hufflepuff, that. so yeah. no shade. And at least some of this play's witches are probably Hufflepuffs.
1: Oh, yeah. Puckle is a Hufflepuff. Yes. And probably Hoppo also. Hoppo. Well, name for like sure. Puckle, what else could you be? Yeah. yeah. So Hoppo and Puckle. Who's um who's Hecate's son? Which one is that? Firestone. Firestone. Firestone mm. is definitely a Slytherin Oh for oh yeah. Because he's always conniving mm-hmm. about how to kill his mom.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a Slytherin thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh shit, I just incriminated myself. <laughs> just plotting people's deaths. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm just over here in the corner. Alrighty. Plotting your death.
1: Yeah. Um well cool
0: great on good that game note, y'all yeah nice. good game
1: jess <laughs> well done well done everyone i, don't know. I had fun it's, yeah yeah
0: no it's a yeah. good uh witchy game yeah that's great
1: all right um, well love it we got some gossip I, mm,
0: yeah i feel, feel like i had a correction to issue but now i can't remember what it is so <clears throat> oh well
1: that i am right that henry four is a trash play I never said you weren't right. Wait, are we talking about two Henry four or one Henry four? I'm talking about all of the Henry fours oh, because well as you... I said, two Henry four is the only Henry four worth caring about. No, I'm
0: not prepared to issue a correction on that today because <laughs> it's not going to happen.
1: All right. Yes. Well, then let's fucking gossip. Okay. Um Fine. Yeah, so the first thing, maybe the only thing on our list is uh, the SAA Allies Program. So SAA, as we have mentioned several times on this podcast, is the Shakespeare Association of America. Their annual meeting conference is coming up real soon next month. We've got like a month. And that's exciting. And some kind folks, Jeffrey Way, who we were a guest on his podcast, uh, Remixing the Humanities, and Catherine Vomero-Santos, and David Sterling Brown, uh, and Netta Medizata, uh, who is at UCLA. They all got together and were like, you know, this conference is so big. It would be super great if we could make it more welcoming more inclusive um so they had this idea to create saa allies which essentially asks people to volunteer for like a special lanyard so that anytime you're at the conference and you see a person wearing that you can go up to them and ask them anything about anything and they might not know right because it's what is really cool about this program is that it's trans not generational but uh trans career level like anyone can be an saa ally you can be a grad student you can be a tenured professor you can be anywhere in the middle you can be anywhere outside of those but as long as you have been to the conference before and you're willing to like be a welcoming face you get to be part of this program so it's it's a cross level i think is what they're calling it cross level mentorship program that's really cool It's really cool. I'm signed up to be one. And so if you haven't heard about it, now you're hearing about it. If you're going to go to SAA, you should sign up to do it. Um, And you can do that by emailing any of those people that I just listed. Get on Twitter and search the hashtag S-A-Allies. So S-A-A-L-L-I-E-S. Sally's. Yeah, Sally's. (laughs) Uh, If you want to be involved. Sorry, we just killed Courtney. (laughs) (coughs)
2: excuse me no i'm i'm only partly
1: dead (laughs) so that's i don't know that's that's that cool Um, i'm giving a lecture next week which is kind of exciting yeah uh by the time this episode comes out it will be in the past though so i mean still exciting yeah anyway uh i'm talking about shakespeare in 19th century america so basically your thesis yeah, basically my thesis, uh, my my first master's thesis was on Shakespeare during the Civil War, so the American mm-hmm. Civil War. So I'm revisiting all of that research, which is really fun because my current research uh, is not that anymore. So it's, it's like a, a fun little walk down memory lane, putting that together. Mm-hmm. I need to make a PowerPoint. Jesus, I got work to do. All right.
0: <laughs> well, let that be a lesson, kids. Pick a good thesis topic because it will follow you around. For the rest of your career, I know mine has. It's dick bracket time.
1: (laughs) That noise is getting out of hand.
0: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Wait the the dick the flaccid dick noise is getting out of hand. Shut your whore
1: mouth. (laughs) sounds like an angry just... cat <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of what I'm basing it on good Not really.
1: um all right so last week's matchup was the the first matchup no the last matchup of the final four sorry yep. which is Barabbas versus Tamerlane and this Epic. was so close and Tamerlane won by a hair What? damn yeah Damn. But keeping keeping my thesis statement alive, which is, is Tamburlaine the biggest dick in early modern drama? He may yet he may yet come out he's, on top. He's going
0: into the final two, so Damn. That's right. He's actually turning right back around uh from beating the snot out of Barabbas. And uh he's going up against the Duke from Revengers tragedy this week. So Tamburlaine versus the nameless Duke.
1: Yeah, and I feel like he's gonna win that handily, but yeah. I guess we'll find out.
0: We have a lot to learn about these bracket pairings, but it's been a fun experiment. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I would have wanted, like, I, I know I've said this before, but I would have wanted Barabbas and Tamerlane to go up against each other, like, in the a yeah. final four situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, they, mean, right.
1: they, they did go up against each other in the final or,
0: four. <laughs> okay, I can't math. Sorry. Yeah. In a, you, in a, you want the that final. to be the last
1: matchup, yeah. I do.
0: I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. you fought hard, Barabbas. Too damn bad yeah. for you.
1: He's, he ended up in that pot of boiling lead. <laughs> yep.
0: Ugh. yeah so One way to all right. Tamburlaine versus the Duke this week so get on get on the Twitters and vote thank you everybody so much for listening we hope
1: you leave the podcast more
0: informed than when you started.
1: And thank you so much to my friend Courtney for joining us. If you yeah. would like to keep up with her doings, because she 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 does things. You do things. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I do things. things. We do things together. <laughs> um, you can follow her on the Twitters if you like, which she is at magic underscore dance. Great. Oh, and tune in next week for Arden of Faversham 101. Woohoo. Can't wait. Hit us with that quote.
2: More I could instance, as the same needles thrust into their pillows that sews and socks up dead men in their sheets, a privy gristle of a man that hangs after sunset. Good. Excellent.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. Whamlet out. (laughs) Privy gristle. Amazing. Privy gristle. Don't know what that is. I think it's a penis, but who knows? Eww. If you liked this podcast, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher
1: Radio, or Google Play. For show notes and other fun things, you can visit our website at www.hurlyburlyshakespearshow.com. Or
0: you can drop us an email at holla at hurlyburlyshakespearshow.com. You can find us on Instagram at hurlyburlyshakes or at hurlyburlyshake on Twitter. The Hurley Burly Shakespeare Show was produced and edited by Jess
1: Hamlet and Aubrey Whitlock. Our fantastic theme music was composed by Jonathan Shue. You can
0: learn more about him at jonathanshue.com or find his albums on iTunes. All
1: opinions you heard on this podcast are our own and are not at all affiliated with our road.
0: institutions Got of work of study. Ago, I feel like I'm knocking on Satan's door, cause to tell the truth I can't take it no more. I'm gonna marry me, the first woman I see. She's gonna love and do right by me. Have a kid, have some family. I'm gonna marry
1: me, the first woman I see. do you read the play yep are you lying to me
0: yep <laughs> great so i'm just gonna wing it uh, <laughs> I'm all sorry. right you're
1: fine you're fine
0: <laughs> no i'm not so, i've clearly disappointed you i can hear it in well, your voice
1: i'm not mad aubrey i'm just disappointed <laughs> <sighs> i'm gonna go die now okay